Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome to the Fighting on Film podcast, the podcast all about classic and obscure war movies, from the Normandy landings to the days of chivalry and swords. If it's been captured on film, we're going to try and cover it. I'm Robbie of RM Military History. I'm Matthew Moss of Historical Firearms and the Armourer's Bench. Hello, Robbie here. Did you know you can support the podcast on Patreon? Join the supporting cast today and gain access to exclusive perks such as discount codes, our monthly Patreon film votes and the chance to get exclusive merchandise before anyone else. Search Fighting on Film on Patreon or find the link on our website. Thank you. Now back to the show. Hello and welcome back to another instalment of Fighting on Film. And we are continuing our Mercenary Film Month, Mech Month 2. Mech Harder. Thank you. With <laughs> Uncommon Valor, 1983. If you've seen any of the post-Vietnam War movies where troops that were held in prisoner of war camps are rescued, this is kind of the kind of like the progenitor of that. It's one of the very first films to tackle the issue. Um, yeah. Really interesting uh, concept, but also it's still a very by-the-book mercenary film. It goes in the classic recruit training complicating factor mission and then yeah conclusion it's very I've of got the it. form of the mercenary movies yeah i've got it in it's it's like a wild geese dirty dozen type formulaic men on a mission film as well with vietnam yeah. war elements and merc elements there's a lot going on here but it does boil down to as you say quite a by the numbers type movie but it's it's not that doesn't make it any less enjoyable we should sort of start no by saying that and of course any excuse to do a gene hackman film oh without a doubt the man's an absolute living legend so maybe mentioning gene hackman there we should just jump into the cast so it's my turn this week and gene hackman as colonel rhodes the lead of this movie you got he's a two-time oscar winner for his role as popeye doyle in the french connection and then in 1992 he earns another one for the western unforgiven 
Um, in terms of his war movie roles, I'm sure we've mentioned them before on the show, but 1967's First to Fight was his first war movie role. And then obviously he plays General Sosabowski in A Bridge Too Far. He's in March or Die in that same year. 1983's Under Fire. 1988, he's in Bat 21, Geronimo in 1993. And mm-hmm. one of his last uh, war movie roles was Behind Enemy Lines in 2001, um, alongside Owen Wilson, which is such a weird casting. Um, wow. <laughs> wow. Um, and he's still <laughs> with us at the ripe old age of 93. Um, and he was in the he's news. looking pretty good. He looks great yeah. for 93. Um, I, I wish he writes, I really hope he writes a memoir because I'd, I'd love to read his thoughts of his of his time in the, oh, in yeah. the movies because like his career what a career great, that'd be a great autobiography yeah he's just one of those actors you see him and you know you're going to get something good he adds mm. a weight to this movie that it doesn't really deserve in my opinion but gene just brings that professionalism that yeah. he brings to every role um and this believability which i'll talk about later um and then we have fred ward as wilkes he's the tunnel rat um he's a late the late actor we only lost him last may uh, he's known for his roles in Southern Comfort in 1981, Escape from Alcatraz, Tremors, and, and much, much more. Uh, Red Brown plays Blaster. He's the explosive expert. Uh, we covered him last week in Mercenary Fighters, but I'll give you a quick recap. He was in Strike Commando, Robo War, Flight of the Intruder, and he was the 1979 version of Captain America. Um, then we I have... liked him more in this than I did in... yeah. Yeah, it's almost film. like two different actors. He gets yeah. so much more to do here, and the 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 it's actually likable in this. Likable in this, he gets just look. He hasn't. They haven't boiled him down to like a, a Stallone or Schwarzenegger type action, muscular mm. action star. They've actually given if you him... if if you told me that that was the same actor, I would have been like, no. Yeah, very true. No, but yeah. Mm. Anyway, do continue. There's just a lot more going on here for the characters to get there for the actors, sorry, to get their teeth into character-wise. It's just a lot more going on. Oh, yeah. Totally. Um, and then we have Randall Tex Cobb, a sailor. He's the tough guy. Uh, he was a pro boxer turned martial artist. I think we've covered him before in 1987's Dirty Dozen threequel, The Dirt, the Deadly Mission. If you've not done our Dirty Dozen December, please go catch up on that because it nearly broke us. Why not? <laughs> Why haven't you done the entirety of Dirty Dozen December? <laughs> Like we Matt's did. calling out all the new listeners, I see. Um, <laughs> and Uncommon Valor's only his second credit. And he has a lot of other TV and film roles, including Miami Vice, Raising Arizona, Ace Ventura, and Walker, Texas Ranger. Um, then mm. we have Patrick Swayze as Kevin Scott, the current serving soldier brought in to train the troops um, of, of uh, Gene Hackman's little private army. And this is only his third credit, and he goes on to win a Golden Globe for Dirty Dancing, becomes this massive, massive star. But in the 80s, he sort of cut his teeth on roles such as Red Dawn, Roadhouse, Point Break um, in the 90s. And he was in the American Civil War series, North and South, in 1985. Mm. This is a very early role for him. And yet again, he's one of those actors that just brings a... uh, just a a bit of gravitas, a bit of weight to this movie, because he's is a lot going on with his character as well. Um, unfortunately, he passed away in 2009, age 57, um, which is a real shame, lost him way too soon. Um, then we have Harold Sylvester, uh, sorry, then we have Harold Sylvester as Johnson. He's one of the uh, the pilots brought in. Uh, he was in an officer and a gentleman, 2014's A Place for Heroes. He was in a 1983 made-for-TV movie, also called Uncommon Valor, <laughs> which is about a, a guy who is in a mental hospital and he sets fire to it. Um, wow. It's like a sort of 
uh, towering inferno type firefighting film. Um, and then he's, he has wow. roles in TV, uh, um, major TV hits such as uh, Murder, She Wrote, Doogie Howser, ND, NYPD Blue, Malcolm in the Middle, to name but a few. Then we have Tim Thomason as Charts. He's another pilot. And he's another prolific film and TV character actor. Starsky and Hutch, Private Benjamin, Hill Street Blues, Zone Troopers, Tour of Duty, Walker, Texas Ranger. Again, just to name a, a few of his credits there. And then in the last of the sort of really uh, principal, sorry, in the last of the real principal cast, um, we have Robert Stack as Harry McGregor. And he's the financier um, of the operation. One of Gene's friends that he's made in his years in the uh, the army. Um, and he's an Oscar nominee. He starred, started acting in the mid-1930s during the Second World War. He served in the US Navy. But he also acted during that time. He was in a film called Eagle Squadron, among many other roles. Post-war, his credits include the lead role as Elliot Ness in the 1950s Untouchable series, Fighter Squadron yeah. in 1948. He played Edwin Sibbett in Is Paris Burning? And then he played Joe Stilwell in Steven Spielberg's 1941. And then for me... Um, and he's both, and for me, I know him best as the host of Unsolved Mysteries. Um, and I absolutely love that show. It's such an absolute banger. Oh, yeah. yeah. For me, like the, the role that stands out for me is um, he's the pilot that talks down the plane in, in, uh, in airplane, the comedy. Oh, of course he and is. He has, yeah. this, he has this amazing, like, um, choreographed entrance where he comes into the, um, the airport terminal and gets accosted by loads of people with leaflets. Oh, it's like a it's like a very funny choreographed fight scene where he just lays them all out. That's great. I, I, that is a good. That is a good film. I do like that film. Um, no, I just as un, unsolved mysteries. Um, me and Katie watched a lot of it during lockdown, and it always just became a unsolved mystery. Yeah. I forgot he did that. It's great. Two hundred and ninety-two episodes. My yeah, for a while, and he passed away in two thousand and three. And then just to round out the uh, round out the the cast, we have. Uh, Luau Nyaga Lai as Lai Fun, the one of the the, uh, the daughters of a man who helps them go into oh, Laos. She rocks a type fifty six. She yeah. does, yeah. We have Gail mm. Strickland as Helen Rhodes, um, uh, Jean's wife. Uh, Charles Aidman as Senator Hastings. Debbie Parker as Mai Ling. Uh, Jane uh, Kazimerick as Mrs. Wilkes, and Todd Allen plays Frank Rhodes, Jean uh, Hackman's son. And finally, Michael Dudikoff is in a very small role as Blaster's assistant, but it's almost blink and you'll miss it. Um, it's the dude loading the plane at the airport. That is literally blink and you'll miss it role. Doesn't even get yeah. a line, I don't think. It's very odd, isn't it? Mm. It's sort of like a meteoric but yeah. career trajectory from there. That's very odd. But that's the cast. It's a, as opposed to last week. I mean, it's an end, most actually, to be fair, most of the films we've done in Merck went so far. Um, it's probably the most stacked cast. <laughs> That we've had on the show for a while yeah and and to be fair to it it does give its characters some you know mm. room to breathe and evolve and and have an actual backstory and be real people so invest you yeah. in the film more than it really does and some of the the others that aren't as well written um but you know moving on from there production is equally interesting because uh directed by ted uh kotcheff who is probably best known for uh, fun with dick and jane um, but then later on, uh, First Blood, and uh, and then the absolute classic uh, 80s black comedy, uh, Weekend at Bernie's. So yeah, a very a career. interesting career <laughs> yeah. of doing various different 
um little bits of comedy little bits of straight action stuff so um we have to mention that john milius was the producer on this so there's a very um definite milius vibe running through the film i think very um, yeah he's he's, he's credited very much with, into this um, he's credited with doing some uncredited um dialogue tweaks and rewrites um but the the origins of the film are really interesting because apparently the story for the film was developed by wings hauser who we know best from firebase gloria actor producer writer director yeah. um and it's it just seems like a very uh, unlikely source for such an interesting uh idea for a film mm. and essentially uh, according to the American Film Institute, Hauser hired a chap called uh, Joe Gayton um, to take the idea and form it into a script. However, Rob found a very interesting interview with Psychotronic Video, which was a um, little magazine that was put out uh, in the late 80s, 90s. And in a 1989 interview with Psychotronic Wingshauser says that the credit for the film was actually stolen from him and that while he was credited as an exec producer, he actually wrote most of the film. And there's a very interesting uh, little explanation from how he views it. Um, he says, I actually wrote it and lost it in arbitration with John Milius um, and Joe Gayton, uh, who was a shoe salesman, apparently. Um, you've heard of these nightmares in LA well yeah 18 months it took me to write the script everybody knows I wrote it I have the contract and I got all the money which is you know that's nice for wings um, um, but John Milius is a scumbag right wing bastard and I can't wait for his day to die wow um, so there's there's no love lost apparently no. between Wings Howes and John Milius Wings was so um, angry he went and started Siege of Fireblaze Gloria to take his yeah. anger out <laughs> Um, so that, that's really interesting. And apparently it was based on uh, an idea that he got from speaking to a, uh, a Vietnam war veteran who was a friend. Uh, and as well as some memories around the time of POWs and people that were missing in action still being held in Laos and um, Vietnam and Cambodia, etc. Mm. Uh, the possibility of that. And I think that's where the, you know, the, the origins of the film and he evolved that into a script which is really interesting because around the same time that the film came out, there was a parallel, almost true to life, um, actual operation that was led by an ex us army Lieutenant Colonel Bo Gritz, who yes. operating from Bangkok, much like in the film, um, did recce operations to try and find, um, prisoners of war that were still being held. Although, Unlike the film, he was much less successful and never actually found any evidence to support the fact that they were still being held. Although they were, there were people still in um, being repatriated throughout the seventies. So the film was produced by Buzz Frightens, who produced many of Milius's films uh, and all of the Rambo films. Um, and of course, mentioned earlier that that Milius himself has a producer credit. Um, cinematography came from Stephen Borum, who worked as the second unit director of photography on Apocalypse Now. Uh, he did the uh, cinematography for The Untouchables, Casualties of War, and a whole spate of gangster movies, including Hoffer in 92, Carlito's Way in 93, um, and Mission Impossible. So he did a lot of work with um, mm. Brian De Palma. Um, yes. 
and I think the cinematography is is really quite good in this, and it yeah, it's fine. It stands up quite well. Yeah. It gives it a you know a very clean, um, not stylized or uh, dated too much. I no. don't think. No, it it it's very. I just say yeah, it's fine to me. It's fine. I don't think it's it doesn't. It's not stand yeah, nothing, out. Nothing, it's not nothing yeah. that really stands out, as you say. I agree mm. there. Um, the score was by James Horner. Uh, this is quite an early, um, early piece for him. So it's he came to the fore in the early eighties. So this is one of his earlier works. Uh, went on to do scores for films like Commando, Aliens, Glory, Braveheart, Mask of Zorro, The Devil's Own, Deep Impact, Titanic. Enemy at the Gates, Wind Talkers, so much, um, and the Four Feathers. So he has an incredible career. Um, I quite like the score; it works quite well. But it it, it isn't um, isn't too in your face. It's kind of just supports mm. the scenes. I think it doesn't do anything to to really um, lift the film. It just it's just a very um, competent straight score that kind of settles yeah. and gives a bit of uh, atmosphere to the various sequences. I think it works quite well. Um, distributed by Paramount, uh, budget was around 11 million, and I think it made just over 30 million at the box office. Uh, so it, it was a success, and it did, it did quite well. Mm, it um, did. Mostly filmed in California and Hawaii, where with Hawaii standing in for uh, Laos. And... They also did a week in Bangkok doing those street scenes, yeah. Um, which really helps. I think I don't think that would oh, yeah, have of course looked a bit yeah. weird if they tried to recreate um, Bangkok um, in Hawaii or California. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So all of the actors were put through a one-week boot camp for some military training, and Chuck Taylor, a, a Vietnam veteran, um, and um, quite well-known weapons trainer, worked um, with. Um, gun sight and some of the other early American um, instructing, um, civilian instructing camps and, and uh, schools. Uh, he was a friend of John Milius, was the technical consultant for the film. And I think he was a, um, I could be wrong, but from the the research I did around this, I think he was mm -hmm. a, a an army ranger. So sounds like just the man to be the oh, advisor on the film. Yeah. And just to finish off, um, a couple of interesting uh, alternate names were considered for the film during production. Yeah, they're great, aren't they? <laughs> um, and they're listed over on the American uh, Film Institute. So the first one was Last River to Cross. Uh, then there was The Eight, which I think is a, uh, a reference to the the team. Yeah, eight of them, yeah. Of eight people. Um, and then Youth in Asia, which is a bit... Um, <laughs> doesn't really tell you what the film's about well the youth in isn't youth in asia a um that's a hangover title for it's a port, it... no that's a hangover title yeah. for full metal jacket really okay well it's or it's a title that is no not hangover sorry full metal jackets a few years after this isn't it um yeah that title was was proposed by apparently matthew modine said that it was um proposed to be called that for full metal jacket youth in asia um in his yeah. uh i mean obviously it's a point being on the movie um, yeah, it's a it's a it's a pun, and probably might have been a pun that, that not right for this evolved. <laughs> no, it kind of evolved from from um, you know actually um, slang from troops yeah. of Vietnam and that kind of thing. I would imagine. And then most interestingly, we have missing in action a full year before the Canon films. Yeah, missing, missing in action came out with Chuck Norris, which well, one, has yeah. a very similar sort of premise. Yeah, that one that would have worked as well. Um, Uncommon Valor is good though. 
I, I do like it the is. name. Yeah. Um, and just quickly, um, I have a retro review this week. Uh, Roger Ebert um, review. We haven't had any from him in a good while. A legendary film critic. And this comes from the 19th of December, 1983. And he gives the film two stars. Um, and mm. I'll just read you the full review because it's hard to pick out a snippet because um, he's written it as a through line. So he says, the basic idea of Uncommon Valor is so interesting that it's all they can do to make a routine formula movie out of it. But they do. The idea, a career colonel suspects his son is being held as a, pri as a prisoner in Laos um, and organises a team of his son's old army buddies to go and bring him out alive. The story resembles the adventures of Colonel Bo Gritz and has overtones from the scenes in The Deer Hunter where Robert De Niro returns to Vietnam to find Christopher Walken. It has mm. a real potential for combining action with emotion. At first rate, talent is assembled for Uncommon Valor, suggests the movie was going to hope to do just that. The director, Ted Kochiff, uh, who made a strong male action movie such as North Dallas 40 and First Blood, and the star is Gene Hackman, who combines heart with threat as well as any actor in the movie. How then did they come up with this forced march through two hours of cliches? The movie rips off the Dirty Dozen and countless lesser movies, giving us three basic elements, assembling the team, rehearsal, the raid. Halfway through the opening scenes, we're saying the lines ahead of the actors. We know Hackman is going to find most of his son's old buddies. We know they're going to be involved in a variety of peacetime lifestyles. We're not surprised to discover that the buddies include a surfer, a sculptor, a black business executive and a convict. The only left out is a hell's angel and the priest. Then come the rehearsal scenes with a mock-up of the power camp that are necessary to set up the climactic payoff. We see the dry run, so the real thing will seem more exciting. All of this proceeds with a lead-footed predictability. There is an early attempt at intrigue when we see a mysterious CIA type spying on the training sessions, but then they're told off by the Texas millionaire who's financing the mission, and that's that. One of the most <laughs> awkward elements in the movie is the way it springs unsurprisingly unsurprising surprises on us. The old veterans are joined in training, for example, by an untrained kid. What's he doing there? Would you believe that he's the kid brother of one of the missing pals? I would. In fact, I believed it minutes before Hackman revealed it. In convincing action movies, the actors nev never seem to anticipate anything. Surprises happen. The results of violence are unpredictable. Uncommon Valor, however, is one of those irritating movies where the actors sometimes act in a way that makes sense only if they already know what's going to happen next. They whirl around because they know the enemy is about to appear. They put a series of explosions in the path they know the enemy will take. It's all cut and dry. By the time we arrive at the movie's unsatisfying ending, we're ready for somebody to take a break in and rescue us from the theatre. Wow, you really did read the whole thing. Um... <laughs> because it's, I tried to pick snippets out of it, but it was really hard to like, because usually I can just choose like two little bits, but just, just Roger's stream of so consciousness much, there. I thought it would be great to just yeah. show well, his contempt. <laughs> he, has, he, has, he has some points. Like, obviously, there is that scene with um, the businessman Baca, who yes. um, his son's also believed to be in the camp. That's why he's investing. Um, and he, he just says, fuck you. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm going to do it anyway. They and say they're going to audit him, it, it, don't they? And then, yeah, they're going to audit him. Nothing happens. And stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, that we see. I mean, it might well have happened, but it know, might have the happened. Film yeah. Go into that. Um, right. Swayze's character, it's his father that's in a camp. Um, yes. Not his brother. Um, 
interesting review. I think it is a little bit unfair. But then, yeah, but then there's more from a 1988 book written about Gene Hackman uh, and his career up to that point by Alan Hunter that I found. So he says critical reaction to Uncommon Valor was diverse. It was revealed in some quarters as a right wing fantasy viewed elsewhere as a crypto Western in the manner of John Ford's The Searchers and casually dismissed as a big screen version of the 18 by the monthly film bulletin. It's certainly a film that poses more questions than it answers, but Hackman's rugged authority adds a semblance of integrity to the action man heroics. Which I think it's a lot fair. Yeah, I, I also read somewhere that, that um, Hackman wanted to imbue it with a little bit more um, nuance yeah. um, than was initially planned as well. Um, I think you're right. So I, I think, yeah, I think perhaps it could have been even, you know, even straighter than it is without yes. Hackman and some of the other choices made. So, yeah, I, that's fair. I do. Um, I think that's fair as well. So moving on to the one word reviews this week, and we had an absolute bumper crop again, um, obviously coming off of a, a film no one's seen in Mercenary Fighters to a film people do actually enjoy in Uncommon Valor. That was no surprise to us here at Fob HQ. <laughs> so to rattle off some of your one word reviews, Jay Neal goes with Boom, Rubber goes with Blaster, Kahar Dissecting Worlds goes with Ali. Paul goes with Grenade. Ken KD Campbell goes with Problematic. Um, uh, Andy McClellan goes with Great. Pete the Paint goes with Dancing. And Matt Green, to end, goes with Average. Hmm. So yeah. there was a... There was a um, I haven't read all of them because there was quite a lot uh, this week. Yeah, there was about 40. Yeah, but... Um, you can join in with those at, at Fighting on Film, by the way. Yeah, you can do every week. I think I put them up every Sunday or Monday. So keep keep um, keep peeled for those. Yeah, it, it does seem like people really enjoy this one. I know we've had a few fans that have, have always said to us, when are you going to do Uncommon Valor? When are you going to do Uncommon Valor? And it's like, mm -hmm. well, we'll do it when it fits. And, it, and it obviously it fits for this for this month. Um, and I know it's one that people do find quite quite endearing, quite, quite enjoy it. Yeah, I can understand why. I actually hadn't seen it before we decided to do it. I was so, amazed that Matt hadn't seen it before. Yeah, no, I just, it just never never come up. Um, so I, I I enjoyed it. Um, I'll talk more about that in Final Thoughts, obviously, but definitely one I enjoy watching. If if it was on TV, I'd definitely sit down and watch it again. Yeah, it's a proper like action. It feels like an ITV4 film. We always say that on the show. Mm. Um, for American viewers, it's a sort of sports slash action type channel of an offshoot of one of our um like sort of main tv networks here in itv um it just feels like it would fit that they play like the bond films they do classic war movies feels like it would fit on there so maybe talking about action and kit we should move on to the many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out my solution is plush care PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. 
Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Italy. It's time for Ali Tally on Fighting on Film. So Matt, as someone who hasn't seen Uncommon Valor, um, what did you pick out? I'm very interested to because there's so much in this. Um, Jean's fedora at the end. It is. It is cool. That you just it's. It, it looks good. He's got the, He's he's got an aesthetic going on at the end he of this film. Very um, much does. So we, we talked about this beforehand, but it, the film has a very interesting way of getting as many guns into it as possible. In yeah. The, you have a training sequence where they all have quite modern weapons, um, cult carbines, uh, an M14E2 sniper rifle, um, which Swayze uses up on the hill. Yeah. Uh, and then they are headed to Bangkok and... A CIA agent intercepts them when they're just about to pick up their weapons for the mission, which is very inconvenient. Um, But completely fine because they go and find uh, a suitably dubious Frenchman. um, In the Golden Triangle. Yeah, who can provide them with just the kind of kit that they need. And then you get a whole extra plethora of weapons, you know, ranging from Thompson's there, more grounds. That they buy like a proper they, World War II era cache of guns, don't they? Yeah, they do. Yeah. And it cr- kind of like crams in like two distinct sections where there's cool new stuff, mm. cool old stuff. Um, but yeah, see, I saw yeah, there's that, a so. dis- distinct look that Gene has at the end of the film, which I very I really much. Like. They all they all sort of have a bit of a look about them. They all go a bit more mercenary, don't they? Mm-hmm. Um, which I really like. But I think it also, not to get all serious about it, but it also sort of shows how much surplus american equipment was sloshing around southeast asia at that time because there's yeah m1928 thompson's garands sks's m18 recoilless rifles i think there's even a number five jungle carbine in that in that little scene where they're they're having like yeah, their 18 like a, a weird there's a weird mauser and stuff yeah, yeah there's all sorts going on um and, it, and then obviously you've got like the, the frenchman's like bunker full of m16s and things like that it's all it, it just, 20 millimeter orcans are like leaning against the yeah, wall with some empty exactly. brownings and stuff. It and I like how lot. he walks Gene and the boys past the good stuff. <laughs> yeah, and they have this really cool scene which could be pulled out of any sort of canon uh, type film uh, where they have like this this book full of silhouettes of firearms and he's like, this is the good oh stuff. God, yeah. This is the not so There's good the menu. stuff. The menu, yeah, it's a great scene. And they end up spending £4,000 on quite a lot of good guns actually um it's probably quite a bargain even now um but i love that i love that switch from Namira weapons to to sort of world war ii korea type weaponry because mm. as i say it mentioned it, it sort of says without saying it how far how, sorry how long the war in vietnam lasted that these weapons are yeah, still though china was you know, conflict zone for yeah 30 years nearly yeah. exactly and i also think it serves colonel rhodes's backstory a little bit where he served yeah. in korea so him picking up the Garand is like this old soldier being reunited with his rifle in a way. I I, mm-hmm. I saw it as that. I was looking a bit more into it than maybe you need to, but I no totally. I got that too. Like, like that. It, it, one of my favourite scenes with Gene is is where he talks about being at the Chosen Reservoir. 
it's really powerful isn't it and uh so when when he is is handed or is seen with the the m1 grand it's it makes complete sense because he's a tag driver with that he really does look like he knows what to do with it and of course gene was a marine wasn't he uh yeah he, um so i think he served yeah knows how, knows how to handle a rifle and there's a couple of great scenes where he's he he's shown sighting it in with um is it with Bo? I think it's with Swayze um, yeah is it with Swayze? I can't remember. I think it's but with it, Swayze maybe in it's before a... the mission. Oh no, it is Bo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. So he, he's sighting it in at the uh, just before they go on the actual mission, and he's the one of the guys is acting as a spot, and he says, "You're you're like short to the right by by about two meters," um, and he, he just tweaks the um, the rear sight, adjusts it for like windage and and um, and and distance and nails a target and then that comes back into use during the actual mission yeah exactly he, they have like a, a sniper that's firing at them from the uh the wood line and he i think he drops the guy with, with two rounds that's it like, yeah. yeah one, one yeah. range and shot and then just drops the guy he's it's very good gene doing gene you know gene, gene um, being gene <laughs> but I think there's some possibly, really cool stuff in this there is i think that's i've written in my notes that's possibly one of the best weapon actor combos ever I like Swayze on the BAR slash recoilless rifle. That's really yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, they have their sort of peer moment where Gene goes, bring up the recoilless or something worse does, to that yeah. effect. That's very yeah. cool. Um, this is, it's, doesn't he say something like, this is about to go kinetic? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> something yeah. like that. A very action-y type line. <laughs> I'm like, ooh, yeah. okay, Gene. Okay. <laughs> Getting serious now. It's very um, good. But yeah, love- Swayze does look good on the BAR. And the BAR is a... Com- you know, the obvious choice for being in that yeah, it is. surplus set of weapons. Um, there's some really cool stuff in there. As you mentioned, there's the, the M18 recoilless rifle, the 57mm recoilless rifle, which um, you, don't, you don't really see in a lot of films. No, you don't. And it, and it kind of works Especially really not, well. Especially not being operated off of a mount. Yeah, like, it's being fired from the shoulder. Yeah, that that's very rare. <laughs> it's interesting to give that to Jiang to, um, there their um yeah their scout their their guide um and he's up there with with swayze in like an does a great job position have, yeah he does he must have used him in vietnam or something maybe yeah <laughs> um the other stuff that stood out to me was um there's a weird mg42 mock-up yeah i have no idea um, why they did that. i don't know what that was built around but that it's, it's a weird mock-up is built it around an I, m60 I, yeah I couldn't couldn't make it out. There's plenty of M60s in the film too. Yeah, there is. Yeah, I don't know why they did that. What? Why does it need to be an MG42? Like M60 would be fine. I assume they didn't want the the Laotian prison to have M60s. I guess, but maybe one of was, the towers did have an yeah, M60. Maybe they wanted to just show them as the enemy force a bit more. I don't know. Yeah, perhaps so. Or maybe that's just what the, it was already mocked up before the film, and that's maybe. what they had available yeah. from the armor. I don't know. Yeah, very much um, so. But, one thing that did stand out during the training um, sort of section of the movie, they, they're flying uh, in at night and they're, the two helicopter dudes are wearing AMPVS 5A night vision goggles. Oh, cool. Um, which I think, I can't remember the, the um, which one of the, one of the, one of the two helicopter pilots like swings the helicopter in, flicks up his night vision goggles and, and shouts for them to get in the chopper, which was a very cool scene. I appreciate it. Very that. nice. Yeah. Um, Although I don't like in that scene though, I don't like the fact they speed up the 
the footage to get him over to the other watchtower so we can take him out because it looks really jarring. Like any time I'm I didn't, modern I didn't film does honest. that. Oh, it looks it, oh, okay. it stands out every time I see it. Um, but those <laughs> helicopters are Bell Jet Rangers, and then later on in the Vietnam section, they're Bell Hueys, which is another nice harken back to Nam there. Um, so for me, I've got if I can, if I may, Matt, if I may jump in. Of course. Um, I've got two things this week, alley tally wise, that really did stand out to me. So the opening sequence set in 1972, I really like that all the Lerps are wearing Erdl. That's a really nice mm-hmm. touch. And they've got M16A1s and they've got uh, Texas got an M60. I like that very Nami. Um, and that that whole opening sequence is like shot for shot recreated in Tropic Thunder. There's, there's so many elements in that. Yeah, um, it totally and then, is. And then there's some really cool little harken backs to Nam later on when they change their equipment when they get those new gu- those new world war ii guns so reb uh reb brown wears like a, a tiger stripe jacket another lerp reference uh gene wears some duck hunter camo which is like early nam and then fred ward makes his own interesting camouflage uniform by painting jungle fatigues it does, and, and, yeah, it does. yeah and that was actually done by mac v sogs and lerps in vietnam um, and there's obviously a mixture of Second World War and M1956 webbing, which is another little NAM reference, I guess. Um, but Texas then my, wearing jeans as well on the mission. Texas wearing it? jeans, yeah. Or sailor, rather. Sailors um, wearing jeans and this weird, like, indigenous sort of tracksuit top type thing. I don't exactly know what, mm-hmm. it was, what it was meant to be. Um, but then the thing that really, really stood out for me this week... Here we um, go. <laughs> Matt knows because we've, we've been chatting about it. So... In the training sequence, they're wearing Adidas trainers. And I really liked that because it, I was like, yeah, these guys are older. They're not going to want to wear like big boots. Maybe like I sort of just thought maybe it's just easier for them. But I actually think it's a little bit of product placement because in the 80s, um, Adidas was sort of developing their brand in that area. I know they go on to sponsor like Run DMC in the 80s. They become like the first brand to really sort of get into cultural marketing i guess that's, that's probably a bad way of putting it but you you know what i mean they, they start to yeah get their they get their gear in film so there's a lot of like i think when blast is getting in one of the airplanes uh, there's an adidas bag placed well in shot and you can <laughs> see the logo um but then i i was looking at the sneakers that they were wearing and i do like a bit of drip fans will know um <laughs> so the adidas is that they're wearing are adidas top 10 basketball shoes um, and then worn by most of the main cast, but Swayze and I think Gene at one point is wearing them. And I think it's really cool that Gene Hackman was running around wearing these Adidas um, boots. <laughs> and they are Adidas Alaska hiking sneakers, um, the brown oh, wow. Adidas that you see. And they're quite rare. I've, I've looked them up. They go for a few hundred pounds now. Of course, um, you've looked them up. Second hand markets. Well, I spent like half an hour looking up these Adidases. Of course, you've got deep pop looking for them, I bet. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, I need them for my uncommon Valor Airsoft impression. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just thought that was really interesting that they that they just somehow I'd like probably you know someone somewhere knows that maybe that is Adidas product placement because they are they are in shot a few times, um, especially like when they have the fight. They're they are... probably probably sent to Adidas a fax. We're like maybe did yeah making a film making a film gonna need some shoes. It's gonna be yeah. a cool film. Gene Hackman's in it. Patrick Swayze. I mean, yeah, probably, um, yeah, probably mate, very well be. But I think it was just really interesting. It just stood out because you don't usually get sneakers in more films. So <laughs> it was no, a nice little thing to see. It's it's a look, yeah. Very strong look. I like it. 
And it must have been very comfortable as well to run around doing those action sequences <laughs> in in sneakers. Um, but no, I, I, all the alley in this is is really good, and it just goes into re- real merc territory where they have to use like older weapons, indigenous yeah. weapons and stuff. I like that. Also, like the beginning of the film where um, Jean's swanning around um, Bangkok and Saigon in like white safari jacket. Oh yeah. Peak seven, peak mid seventies uh, leisure wear, you know. Very much so. Um, travel wear, definitely. Jean was comfy um, as during this whole film. <laughs> true, true. Um, but I like, I like, as I mentioned for my first pick, Jean's Jean's fedora starts out looking very, um, very Indiana Jones. It does a bit looking very yeah. cool, <laughs> and then by the by the actual time they get to the compound and the mission. It's a bit worse for where it's it, the brim's yeah. all like crooked and, and like crunkled and um it looks very adventurous. Adventure. Yeah, so we, you get that you know, you get that feel that like he's had to trek all the way to the um helicopter base and yeah, trek all the way back. And it's it's a nice little uh, visual cue to we're in the jungle. I like doing it. Doing a mission we're max. It's, it's hard the, work. The only thing I wish they would have done there is had him in a pork pie hat because it would have been a nice French connection reference. But maybe, <laughs> yeah, maybe that would have been too much. <laughs> ex, ex US Marine Corps colonel wears pork pie hat in, <laughs> in Saigon. Yeah, that would be cool. <laughs> probably, probably not the um, the vibe that he he normally goes for. <laughs> no, maybe not. Maybe not. And maybe on that bombshell, we should move on to favorite scenes. Hello, I'm Al Murray, and you're listening to Fighting on Film, the world's number one war film podcast. So, favourite scenes this week. Um, I'll I'll jump in. I I enjoy all the film. Um, I think it's really good. I think it's a bit of fun. A, a, a well-made movie. Um, but the bit I okay, really enjoy. Final thoughts. Yeah, final thoughts. Let's go. No, but the part <laughs> that I really enjoy because it adds weight. And I said this earlier is this, the part after the initial Vietnam sequence, which I find a little bit cliched and overplayed. It's a little bit melodramatic, that that opening section. Um, but I, it, it, it does enough to set, set up mm-hmm. why. Um, but then Gene um, is travelling around Southeast Asia, trying to prove that his son's alive and that these powers exist. And he's paying people in Laos to find him. He wants people to take a picture of him and get him to sign it so he can cross-reference signatures and people are coming to him and just giving him the photo back acting like they found something and he's paying these people um and it's just it rings really true it's like it's just a father trying to find his boy there's a really sort of that they're a little bit overdone but there's a bit where he he has a vision of his boy in like baseball yeah peewee baseball uniform like uh reaching out saying oh you know i'm can't find me daddy and all that and he's like you know jeans mm-hmm. in bed sort of really upset and having these visions and it really sets him up. He feels like a real person. It grounds his character. And obviously as Roger Ebert mentioned, he's based on Colonel Bo Gritz who went into Laos and Vietnam and he was funded by these trips in part by Clint Eastwood and Ross Perot, who was like a businessman millionaire, who I think the Robert Stack character is probably based on. Um, But that whole sequence of Gene going around trying to find his boy is really affecting and it takes a decade. It takes and it takes years. a decade, and it brings it up to the modern day. So you, you, it's a long story. You find out that uh, Rhodes has been retired out because of his obsession with trying to find these men. Um, you know, he's not a popular figure. 
in the in the sort of political landscape because he's putting pressure on people and i just i really like that only gene for me only gene hackman could give that weight to it i mean i know it's about a very economical that. way of doing it as well it is yeah gene has, I mean, has enough agency in those scenes to to yeah. convey what's going on but it's yeah. only like five five six it's minutes only, yeah it's a five six minute sequence but it does so much to set his character up i almost wish that everyone else had had that opportunity because i sometimes think that the rest of the cast don't uh, they have a lot to do but they don't have as much characterization given some of them don't i mean i, I know fred ward's character does tex definitely not tex sorry sailor definitely does um yeah. but some of them don't but no I, I enjoy it that's probably my obviously i like i enjoy the action at the end but like as far as world building your and character building your movie that's probably one of the more affecting ones we've had for a, a, quite a while on the show I, I think yeah um for me there's a couple of scenes that stand out there's the scene where um it, uh wilkes um his, his background is explained he was the he was the lerp team's tunnel rat and mm. talks about uh why he struggles with claustrophobia because yeah. um, he, he leaves the camp and goes and sleeps outside most of the time during training uh, and he doesn't explain the, the situation it's 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 explained by I think I think again it's Bo explains it to um, one of the helicopter guys yeah uh, who obviously wasn't with the original unit um, and essentially he is inside a tunnel, the tunnel collapses, looking for a weapons cache, hairs movement, frantically kills whatever moved, and it turns out to be a, a woman and a child. Yes. And so he is heavily suffering with PTSD. And then, of course, later in the film, he has to go in a tunnel. Yeah. Kind of, you know, it kind of always everything, on the cards for him. And it brings him. it back to everything this movie sets up that happens. That's like the mm -hmm. clicheness of it. It's quite funny. Um, but of those scenes, I like the scene where Gene's character talks to um, Wilkes and says, are you okay? Mm. Um, what's wrong? And he, ex and he kind of shares his own experience of PTSD and trauma where he talks about um, being at the Battle of Chosen Reservoir yeah. and how he sees you know, the frozen faces of, of his dead Marines. Yeah. And um, they don't, they, they never go away. He just kind of makes friends with them, is how he. Mm. Uh, this is a is really good bit of dialogue. It. Like, and, and it is. Though, it's a great little yeah. monologue. And, and again, it, it, it brings Gene's back. on the ball. Yeah, exactly. It brings it back to how good this cast are that they got together. You know, like, it, it, um, Gene just brings this gravitas to everything. Mm, exactly. Exactly. Um, there's a there's a great little scene where that they have lost their equipment and um, Wilkes I think asks him, well, Gene asks him to get a truck and he says rent or buy and he says steal the fucker. Yeah, it's great. Is, <laughs> yes, he has some yeah. great dialogue he has throughout some good the lines. film. Yeah, he does. Mm. He really does. Um, um, but I think that monologue scene about the chosen reservoir is is my favourite. And then as you say. The action sequences towards the end are really well done, um, to a to a scale that you kind of don't expect. Like some of those buildings really go up. Oh yeah, um, they blow the blow the heck out of like that that yeah, little compound, um, don't they? 
and some of the helicopter flying is really quite impressive yeah they've 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 done a lot of work to to get those shots of the helicopters being dynamic throwing mm-hmm. dudes in like there's, there's a guy that hangs off the run of one of the helicopters yeah that's to get great on board again yeah. and he gets thrown into a um a little shack thing um yeah. but yeah i i really like the training montage too because the way they show the the steps of the operation and it's a it's kind of like a cheap way of having action early in the film without them having to do like a preamble mission or something yeah 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 i i it actually like, in terms of action i actually like that initial little skirmish that they have because they're not expected yes. to have it so it shows the, how um, professional they've become the laotian yeah, uh border, like border guard yeah i love that yeah, they want they really want their good. um opium yeah that's and, it yeah uh, gene's like it's gonna it's gonna go kinetic and it's gonna go kinetic sets up yes. the um it's great no it's very good sets up I, the, uh, it's, rifle. that's the most war movie bit of the film we get like that feels like a open pitch little skirmish i really enjoy that yeah swayze gets his first kill um yeah. one of jiang's daughters is killed while the other one absolutely mm. lays it down with the um the ak the type 56 she's it, very yeah. good at it um she has she's yeah, done great many enough. lines me. they, they have them in just to mm. kill them off quite quickly apart from the other yeah lady. not not a lot of lines but no you, she's a good enough actress to Oh, they're hard uh, as nails. Make you care about the character. Yeah, yeah. Hard as nails are those Norinkos. I love it. Um, yeah, that's another thing I mentioned. You mentioned Swayze there. Like, I, I think his his through line of, of not having seen action and then you, you always feel like he un, he's really wary of what's going on. He, he doesn't... He's in, the, he's in the moment, but he's having this sort of out-of-body experience. Like, maybe I'm putting too much on the performance yeah, there. but exactly he, what you mean. It, it means so much to him to be here to maybe find his dad. Yeah. Obviously, the you know the, the gut mm. punches that he doesn't. Um, but and neither like, does Gene. Neither does yeah. Spoilers. Neither does Gene. But like he. Oh, and that scene on the helicopter. Oh, the bit where Gene yeah. cries. Oh Kills my god! Him. Yeah, I'm gonna mention. So that good. Final thoughts. Carry on. <laughs> Swayze just gives this whole sort of he's he's us. He's like the the, the human that the viewer character where like this is such an out of body thing to do. Um, and he's shocked and, and coming to terms with it in real time. And I think I really like that they chose Swayze to do that because he's the younger character. He's got a lot of stake anyway. Um, and Swayze just shows, like, in a really early role, what he would go on to become. Um, and I, I love seeing... I love Swayze anyway. Like, he's, he's, for me, like, one of the best 80s sort of heart of robs to come out of that sort of Rat Pack generation. Um, can't wait mm. to do Red Dawn because that's another but, yeah. film where he absolutely is a, oh, an amazing performance in that film as well. But... Yeah, just the, the characters of this will make it, the, and the actors make this movie. Um, with completely different cast, I think this movie wouldn't be nearly as good as it is. Um, it's one of those like perfectly cast movies. Um, I, I very rarely, sometimes I think with these movies that we do, oh yeah, could you, you change up that character? It, it wouldn't matter. But this is one of the movies yeah. where I think it has to be these people. <laughs> they only pulls it off like this. And maybe we're going into Final Thoughts territory, or maybe I take us in there too soon. Is there anything you want to? add before we do no no i i I think that covers it nicely brilliant moving into final thoughts yeah so as i mentioned like that ending is oh the real gut punch so you spoilers for anyone hasn't seen it um so they they get a couple of guys out like it's three isn't it three or four chaps yeah Um, and the rest of them are all i assume um like the ocean 
Yeah, they just leave them there. And stuff. <laughs> it's a bit and, mean. Yeah, like, they, they, don't, they just they, run away into the jungle, which is yeah, fine. They, they, they don't do. escape on their own. Yeah, exactly. They're there for their own, their own issues, I guess, or their own. There wasn't a um, Rambo First uh, Blood Two incident where there's a you know there's a lot more dudes than he can possibly get out. Yeah, situation. It was, so I thought maybe that before. what they might have done. Um, but yeah. they, they they don't. Is that, I, you know, it's such a long time since I've seen Missing in Action. Is that what they? Is that is that the plot to Missing in Action too? Pretty much, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I can't remember. But yeah, <laughs> um, it's but it's such a gut punch. So they rescue a, a chap, um, and he he's flying back, and you think that that's Frank. You think that that's Gene's son. It doesn't. They don't tell you it's not really. Um, and he goes, look, I'm really sorry. Um, Frank got ill um, and I tried to help him back to health um, and he died but if he hadn't have picked me up on that day I'd be dead and you learn that he's the guy that that Frank was the he's guy that the was saved in the beginning and that's really that's mm-hmm. quite nice little juxtapose little surprise for the audience there and then him and Gene have this embrace and it's really it really hits quite hard yeah um, it does yeah but then there comes in my criticism of the movie is that I want to see more of the end. I don't just want to freeze frame on him and his wife embracing. I want to see a bit of aftermath of how these men are treated, how Gene maybe could be redeemed in the eyes of the military for doing this really big heroic deed. And I, I just wish they'd have shaved just a little bit off the training sequence because I, I already know these guys can do it. They were alert team in Nam. Like mm-hmm. I already know they're capable of this because they've done it. So I don't need to see as much. I just wish they'd they'd maybe just trim like 20 minutes off that off that training sequence and stick it at the end and we could have not like a little little bit in America maybe after. Yeah, I suppose it was you you could say it's just a little bit too hard to do that. Possibly. Yeah, maybe. I I don't know, mm, but I always That's want a that. hard topic to cover, like the mm. the return of, of um veterans and POWs from Vietnam or is, even, is even if you showed how one. it how it sort of redeemed Gene's Gene's character in, in the sense of mm. you know you could have had the senator go in I'm really sorry I doubted you you were right all along or you know you could have he could have had a letter from the family of the guy he saved and he's like look we're really yeah. sorry that your son died but thank you so much or he well, could isn't be the guy like, he saved the backer's son because you see them at the end don't you oh I think yeah that's it yeah so the, I, there could have been a conversation between Gene and the backer, for sure. Yeah, that would sure. have worked well. I think I think that I think that would have worked. But I just I just want to see more of Gene in the role. I think that's what it comes down to, really, is that I enjoy mm. his character so much. You know, you could have had like a section of him doing the talk show, the talk show circuit, doing like oh, you know, it was like this, that, and the other, and they could have made the characters written a book about it or something. You know, they've gone a bit more celebrity with it being the 80s i don't know um it would have been interesting but no it's just i just love the film i think it's a fun romp there's enough going on this more emotional weight in this than you think i just think it's really good <laughs> i can't say fairer than that so it's planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. It's not a must-watch. Like, don't, you know, it's very hard to find on DVD, but I, I think it's, if you can seek it out, please do. You can rent it online, that's for sure. I, you can, As yes. I said at the beginning, it's a very classic composition of recruitment, training, complicating factor, mission. Um, but it doesn't, it, that doesn't hamstring it. It's, um, there's some good performances. There's some strong co- character development that we've already talked about. Um, I like the parallels between like the echoes of seven samurai and the magnificent seven. Yeah. Each guy is an expert in his own right. Wilkes is a hand-to-hand combat expert. Um, the Bo's character is a, is an explosive ex- expert. Mm-hmm. Sailors are weapons expert. You know, they all have their own little things. Gene's the marksman. And got the helicopter pilots. Yeah, they don't really. So, yeah, you know, works, really. you've got you've, yeah. you've got your um your various different elements, and it is a classic mystery movie trope where those kind of things coming together. But it's an interesting movie. It definitely fits interestingly within not only the Vietnam War movie genre, but also the subgenre of missing in action, um, POWs, yes. um, and also mystery films uh, in general, mm. which we've been covering here on Fight on Film through Mystery Month One and Two. Yeah, we have. So that was 1983's Uncommon Valor. We've finally done it for you big Uncommon Valor fans out there. And don't forget to join us next week when we cap off Mercenary Month 2 with the Patreon pick, which is 1998's Ronin, the first Robert De Niro film on the show. It's a big one. It's, it's a gonna huge one. I'm looking it's going to be fun. Sean Bean, the guy out of uh, Leon that I can't remember his name. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> um, a proper ensemble again much like this film it is um, it is so yeah do join us for, for next week for Ronin and uh, as always leave a review give a star a like whatever it is on the app you're listening on we really appreciate it here at Fof HQ you can find the back catalogue of the pod at fightingoffilm.com and we'll catch you again next week bye guys bye bye <laughs>